Hello and welcome to our weekly podcast from Faith Point Church, Auckland, New Zealand. We hope you will encounter God afresh in this week's teaching segment. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to hear more, then you can visit us at www.faithpoint.org.nz. And now for today's message. Thank you, everybody that prayed for us, James and I. Uh, we left here gleefully on last Sunday, took off up north, thinking, yes, we're on holiday for a week. Spent the rest of the week flat on our backs looking at the ceiling crook as dogs. So <laughs> that's how it happened. And I thought to myself, what the heck, Lord? <laughs> and in the midst of it all, when you go through stuff, it's true, isn't it? You come out more powerful. You come out more powerful because you have to, the things that you truly believe kick in. And so you either cry out to God or cry for yourself. And I knew crying for myself would definitely reap nothing, especially with my ever so, you know, merciful husband, not. He probably would have shoved a coffee under my nose and a box of tissues and said, move over, go over there and cry. So it was a difficult week, but in the end of, at the end of the day, it was good because we were getting uh, emails from people saying we're praying, and the more prayers that we we prayed, the better we got. So thank you very much for all those people that did that. God is good. Amen. 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 And how who knows that nothing always works out the way you want it to, but in the finish, you know, God is good. There's no two ways about that. So while I was flat on my back looking at the patterns on the ceiling. Um, uh, I was I was thinking over and pondering the things that uh, Pastor Greg had spoken to. I've gone over his podcast a couple of times, and one of the things that I'm beginning to see in this last little while is that God is defining us as a people and defining us and our purpose. So we've had quite a bit of time gathering the people together. All of us have come in. Some of us have had to what we call detox. We've learned some things that don't necessarily have their roots in the Word of God. They're just good ideas. And God's had to detox us, change the way we think as leaders, change the way we think in, as ministries, so that we can, those, those phrases that we speak, we are actually practising them. A lot of the time we can go out, you know, yeah, yeah, um, we can do this and we're going to do this and we're mission people and we're blah, 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 blah. But at the end of the day, half the things we say, we actually don't do. So it's all in the saying, yes, but it's all in the doing afterwards. And so as a result of that, I'm beginning to see God is defining us more and more. So one of the things, and it's really good because I haven't seen Terry. I think this is your first week back, isn't it? Welcome home. It's good to see you guys home, our our travellers. And um, God said, Terry said this morning when he was dancing, it was like he could see, what was it? arrows going straight up to heaven. And last week, when Pastor Greg preached, he said, faith point, faith point, the name main name means something. The point of an arrow is where all the damage is done. That, can anybody remember that? Yeah, I'm good, good. Because when he was talking, I'm going, what? what? <laughs> yeah, I was already in a holiday on my head. 
And, and, and the other thing he said was that we are a people whose forefront is all about faith. What we see in the spirit realm is what we will receive in the finish. So this morning, I can see that, that that's happening. We went over to Fiji, for instance, and I've been on a number of missions trips, and what, we, what happens is that you connect with somebody, and that somebody goes and he hires a building, and the church comes that's over there, and we go over and we do meetings in the morning and the night. This time it was, it was different, much different. So we went over there, and we didn't make ourselves a burden to the church. What we did was we went over there and we went to the markets. We went to the hospitals. We didn't need church buildings. We didn't frame it inside a church building. We went out. And God is beginning to speak to us more and more about going into the byways and the highways. That's where the people who are not saved, who need to hear about the news of Jesus. Amen. So then we come back here. There's great success on that, by the way. You know, the team was successful. They were able to do things that they hadn't done before, going out and preaching from a cold start or sharing from a cold start, seeing people saved, praying for people in the marketplace. And God has spoken to us many times about marketplace ministry, that why do we have to have a pulpit why do we have to have something set out for us for us to be preachers? Amen? It's how we see it in our own mind. And so this is something that we need to ponder. This is something that we need to think about. Because if you have in your heart an idea that God has given to you, then you can't go and put it inside a container that God hasn't said anything about. Is that right? Amen. If God says for you to be a worship leader, it doesn't mean that you're going to have a big band. If God says you're going to be a preacher, it doesn't mean to say that someone in the church is going to give you a pulpit. It might mean that you're going to stand on a street corner. Amen. But will you still be a preacher? Yes. Amen. God didn't say, if God says it calls you to be a youth leader, it doesn't mean to say that you will then get a ready-made youth group. It means that he's making you a leader of the next generation, so go, go and find them. And so more and more I'm beginning to see that God is defining us, defining us. And so there is going to be challenge from the enemy. Amen? The minute God gives you something that's pure and straight from the throne of heaven, Guess who's going to come for a look and try and take it off you? He's a bad boy, that devil. Bad boy. Anything, any new things God gives you, he tries, comes and tries to take them away. And so it is up to us. We can't just go, Pastor, he took it from me. You can't do that. I can do it because the pastor's my husband. And he has to help me. Me. You see, you can't do that. You have to be able to hang on to it and say, hey, do an Anya. Give it back. It's mine. You know? <laughs> Sorry, Anya. You've got to be able to be able to hang on tight to what it is God has given you. First of all, the container. It doesn't have to be what you think it should be. 
you know, and I just think the more we've gone on as, as a church, the more I've been getting to see God starting to define us, that we are becoming a more and more marketplace church. I'm excited by it. And it doesn't mean to say that I'm going to go out there into the community and save the community. I have to wait and see what God has to say about the whole thing. Now, I'm not preaching off any notes because um, while I was flat on my back, I was supposed to be writing my sermon. So if you'll bear with me, there's some thoughts that I've placed on a piece of paper. If it goes that way, good. If I start talking silly, that's probably because that was during the delirious stage. And I don't know, maybe do with it what you want. So... But first of all, I want to say this. When Greg was starting to pull down some things from heaven about what we would do as a church, who we would be as a people, a people whose forefront was faith, what he, well, the first thing I've got to do is figure out what is faith? I think I know. But how, how many of us know that we think we know something, we go back and we go, oh, that wasn't quite right. Let's go and have another look. So... When I'm thinking about faith, I have, my heart is, to, is, is towards faith. I have seen God do some amazing things just through the word of faith, just through speaking to my heart. And I'm, I'm going to try and um, explain to you some of the things that have happened to us over the years. For instance, um, when, we were, when we were first um, pastoring, and, and James and I were believing for a place we could call home. We lived in Tauranga. We had no money because we started um, off life. We were married for a year. Um, and we were still fighting like cats and dogs. Um, God said, OK, right in the middle of a scrap. Right, we can get you to pastor a church. It was like, whatever, God. Gee, I can't even pastor myself. <laughs> You know, that's what the word came from the Lord and we, we did it. Anyway, we had no home. We had no way that we would get, get a home. And so one thing led to another. We went to Tauranga and just as we were trying to figure out how we could, because it was a lot of time was spent moving from place to place to place. And it was probably time we didn't have. James and I chose to be a one earning parent family. So I stayed home with the children and James went out and he worked. So the first church that we had when we were there was very small and really couldn't sustain us as a family. And so what happened then was that um, we prayed and said, to, I remember walking through the streets of where we were, we had the church at Baptist Mance and it was in the middle of this really flash suburb, you know, and we were that house on the street, you know, that one. That house, yeah. <laughs> all the kids hanging outside of that brown lady with all her kids. And what was that white guy doing coming in and out of that house? <laughs> you know? So we were that family. And I used to work for Bernardo's in those days. I was a caregiver at home. And so they would give me all the brown families that came to Bernardo's. Most of them were gang members. So every now and again, they'd pull up to my drive and stop. That looked like I was doing a deal or something. <laughs> so it got worse and worse. Anyway, we, I was walking through the, the suburb one day and I said to the Lord, Lord, I wouldn't mind if we could just have a house. I don't care what it looks like, just a house. 
that we wouldn't have to move all the time because there's so much to do in your kingdom. And um, we, we keep losing money every time we have to hook up the power or hook up the phone. There's a whole wage packet gone. And I remember doing that, and then we prayed, and I remember this guy, he walks in and says, look, you you guys don't know me very well, but I have the ability to build you a home. And so we're like, yeah, God. And you you know, you get to that point where where you're so excited, but you're too scared to believe it. You know what I mean? Do you know what I mean? You think somebody like the devil, the bad boy's going to come and pull the rug out and go, yeah, gotcha, gotcha, sucker. And so, you know, and so we got, we were excited and he said, oh, you know, I, I, it means that you'll have to keep paying like you do board, but the house is yours, basically. He was going to build it off the capital of his house. So he built that. And then we got to a certain point and we were happy and we'd done up the, the um, we had friends come stay and they did the gardens and everything like that. But as time went on, of course, with three little kids, we... And two cars to maintain, we ended up going broke. And I can remember sitting in the house and I thought, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try this thing out, this thing, faith, the way they say. And um, I was praying and I was praying and then God said to me, I'm going to turn your morning into dancing. And so I had the bills all spread out in front of me. This is my side of the story. I know some of you have already heard this one. But the bills were all out in front of me and I've been crying, crying and asked God, please God, can you help us? Because having a bad testimony as a bankrupt pastor in this city will mean that people won't, won't come to church, they won't get saved and our church will be ashamed of us because of what of our reputation. So I remember God saying, I'm going to turn your morning into dancing. And then he gave me a picture of me dancing on the bills. So I'm a nightclub dancer. I don't do this. I don't do that sort of stuff. I'm like, woohoo, you know, like that, or like that. And so I put my music on and away I went, thinking this is really dopey, man. I'm just up there and I'm dancing like, oh, yeah, yeah, like this. Nothing sort of gracious about it. (laughs) You know, two weeks later, we got a call from a family friend who said, he didn't know anything about our situation. He said, oh, what's your bank account number? I'm going to put put some money in your account. Two weeks later, $100,000 was in our account. And this is the thing. We ask God like, frighten can, 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 can I have, can I, can I, can I? And we aren't brave enough to say, God, I want the best of what you got. I want to. Faith is the substance of things hopeful, yes? Hopeful. Do you ever hope for a bomb when you want a car? Oh, Lord, I pray it'll be a bomb. <laughs> of course we don't. In our mind's eye, we see the best. We don't see a bomb. And then if a bomb turns up, we think, oh, that'll do, we'll have that one. (laughs) God wants to bless you with the best that he has. But we have to be able to be receptive and open to hearing what God has to say to us. And so that has been one of the stories that has happened to us another time we, um, we were prayed for by, oh, now, Phil Pringle. Do you remember him? Yeah. 
Yeah. So when James and I were in executive in um, Elam, they came and they preached at our conference and he prayed for us and he said, man, I can see money falling from heaven. And to me, I thought to myself, yeah, man, amen, amen. But I can't, I couldn't embrace, I couldn't, I couldn't receive it until I had embraced it. And once again, you know, I know there are people here today that need a financial injection. And I'm not saying, you know, blab it, grab it sort of thing or name it, claim it. All I'm saying is that there is a possibility. But the thing is, is that you have to engage in a conversation with God about it. That's called prayer. A lot of the time, we hear a good idea from the pulpit. Yes, we hear a good idea from somebody who's been to a conference or somebody who's been to another church and we adopt it as our own. Those are called formulas. But when you hear straight from the heart of God a word for yourself, when you talk things over with God, He will give you a word that you will be able to put your faith on. Otherwise, it's just trying to find a formula, a way that will work. And I think Pastor Greg said the other week, Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. Are you looking for a way? The way is Jesus. But first we need to, it's like, where do we get money from? We don't go and engage in a conversation with the cleaner at the bank. We go to the bank manager or the person who is in charge of giving away loans. You've got to go to the man in charge. And so this is really important that when we have want to there's a faith step that needs to be take, that we've taken that we need to be able to know that we've talked with God about it and not just take steps of faith because somebody else has told us it's a good idea. We have a tendency to do that, don't we? That we put all our ducks in the row, we get everything sorted out and then we go, okay, God, short turn, bless it. When we, what we should have done in the first place had gone to him and said, what do you want me to do? What shall I do? Some of the financial decisions that we that are some of the financial things that have happened to us, we were out of money. We need to repent because we've gone the wrong way, and you can't out skirt around and say, "God bless me." You can imagine if my kids said that to me after they'd made a wrong financial decision and went around, went around that thing and then came to me and said, oh, can I have some more money? I'd be saying, no, you can't. You're not getting any more money from me until you fix that one up over here. So repentance is all part of it as well. But what we tend to do is just push that all aside and go with this faith that hasn't got any structure, any brains on it, and it definitely hasn't got an open door to it. So if you find yourself in financial difficulty, I don't, know, I don't care how much you have justified what you've done. If it's wrong, it's wrong. Amen? And the only way to fix wrong things is to say sorry. Sorry, God, I, I messed that one up. And then, not to just, okay, so I repented, we're all good now. That's not actually how it works. When you make a mistake financially and you've repented, there's some fixing up to do. Uh, Brian Houston says in his, one of his books, There Is More, 
He says, some things you can fix spiritually, other things you've got to fix them naturally. If you have made a mistake, borrowed money off somebody, you need to sort that out. If you have, if you have bought, purchased something, then you need to sort that out. James has told you guys about the story of Ichabod, the van. Oh, that van. That van and that dog of his just about killed our marriage, I'll tell you that now. So he bought this ugly looking thing. And it's funny how beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Because when he wrote me a letter, he says to me this. He says to me, oh, I've got this custom-made combi van. And here's me thinking, cha, cha, I'm going to inherit that. And what it was was a meat wagon with big eyes on the front of it. That's all it was, you know. And, and so he, he sold his flash little sports car and bought that thing. And he justified it and justified it. That was before he married me. His mother told me this. And she kept saying, he said, no, I bought this for the work of the Lord. And sometimes we can do that. We did this so the work of the Lord would carry on in our lives. In actual fact, God never told you to do that. You just decided this was a good idea. And so we had to repent. We really had to repent because that thing, it sat in an old garage in um, Martin and grew weeds in it. Nobody even wanted it. We couldn't even give it away to a young person who had just learned how to drive. That's how bad it was. It was a piece of rubbish, man. <laughs> Between that and the dog, eesh, praise God we survived. So this is the thing, and, and, and I'm, just, I'm just saying this because if we are going to be a people whose forefront is all about faith, we have to understand faith, and we have to also understand what it's not. Faith is not saying, ta-da, God showed me in prayer last night that I should do this, so I'm going to do it, and off I go. Oh, and why don't you people come with me? I'm not going with a person like that. I'll be saying to them, you just show me your scriptures. Show me your, tell me what you prayed. Tell me your journey. But if you decided yesterday and you think it's something today, forget it. I'm not coming with you. And this is an interesting thing that happens because so much people come back and go, I believed and I believed and I believed God and nothing's happened. And so I have to ask you, what did God speak to you? What did he say to you? Did he say anything at all? Or we're just following a good idea. So, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And so, this place where things are not seen, this place is the spiritual, things unseen, things unheard in the natural realm, uh, that's the spiritual realm. So God is calling us. Are you keeping up with me or am I just, you know, trolling on as I do? You're sweet. So, <laughs> so you see, if that's going to be who we are, if we're going to be faith people, like I said, we have to understand what it is. So... If we are going to be living in that place where faith is, it's the evidence of things not yet seen. So we can't see those things yet. We can't hear those things yet. That is the realm of the spiritual. So if that's right, then faith point people will be always in that place where the spirit is. That's who we are. A 
And I just think, what a great inheritance to pass on to the next generation. So we will live in that place where the Spirit lives, that the Holy Spirit would be at the forefront of all that we do. All that our good ideas that we have are nothing unless God is in it, unless the Holy Spirit is in it. All the things that we endeavour to do as a church is nothing unless the Holy Spirit has spoken to us. And over the history of this church, we've seen a number of things from the very beginning when God spoke to us through that prophet in Pakaranga Centre. From there, moving to a house, and then the very day that God had sent a prophet to us to say it's time to go public, and we decided to step out in that direction. And the church down the road that was meeting here, there was about four people meeting here for two years. They suddenly gave up uh, gave up this, this hall on the very day that God spoke to us. So this is the way that we live. It's not a surprise. So if somebody is coming to me with all the ducks in the row, but there's nothing from God, forget it. Forget it. It might be okay for the church down the road, but it's not all right for us if that God is who God is defining us to be, Holy Spirit people. Amen. Amen. So, so it's interesting, as I said, it was very interesting to hear what Terry had to say, that um, our praise is like arrows going up to heaven. Because also... That's what Pastor Greg said, that we would shoot um, arrows into the atmosphere. Also, Pastor Pete Morton, I remember when he was here, he talked about having arrows in a quiver. So it's all lining up, you see, lining up. So that means that all the arrows in the quiver, whenever we pull back the bow and shoot something out into the atmosphere, believing God that this is what we're supposed to be doing, it will find its target. It's good, eh? Very good. I'm beginning to ramble a little bit, I think. Sorry. As we go on, we're in Hebrews 11. I have some, I have some testimonies of how God has just blessed me. When I was, um, when James and I were also first married. We got to a point too where we needed to have a bigger income. And I remember I prayed to God in the morning of that day. And I'd gone in to take, when I worked for Bernardo's, I took my timesheets into the office. And I was walking down the um, corridor of the offices. And this lady was coming towards me. And she says to me, she stopped me and she said, oh, do you work here? And I said, no, I'm a caregiver. I look after kids. She said, oh, fine, would you like to come and pilot a program with me? I said, you what? And she said, I want you to come pilot a program with me. I said, okay, what's the program? She said, oh, we're going to do supervised access for non-custodial parents. And I went, oh, okay. I don't know what that even meant. (laughs) She said it too fast. I don't know what she said. I said, yeah, okay, okay. So uh, we started the program up. And that was how it got out to the other agencies. But you see, God is good. Even 
those sighs, those groanings that you might have, that you'll think, oh God, I've got to get some more money. Oh God, I've got to do this. He hears what you're saying. If you are in constant conversation with him, he hears even your sighs and your groans. And we think, we sometimes think we have to fall on our face, you know, bums up in the air, face on the ground, snotting all over the place, going, oh God, you're my priest. He can hear you. (laughs) He hears you, right? He hears you, especially if you're in conversation with him. Do you know, you get used to, you say, well, how do I know it's God? You stay in conversation with him. You get used to the sound of his voice in your heart. I get, I've gotten, James and I have been married now 30 years, and I've gotten used to the sound of his voice. I know him. We can go to warehouse or something, and he'll just say, hmm, okay, and I know it's him. It's the same thing when you're in conversation with God. You get used to the sound of it. There is no quick way to do it. There is no formula. Our God is a relational God. And I know I've been taught how to hear the voice of the Lord. And I've tried all those things. It didn't make any difference to me. I just, it, was, it was clever. I thought, yeah, that's clever. But it didn't make any difference. <laughs> so clever's not exactly good. Amen? It is always important that you keep in conversation with God, talking to Him, asking Him about things, ask, bringing anything, doesn't matter how ugly it is, bring it to Him. And, you know, sometimes I do my Maori voice with God because um, He says to me, no. I go, why not? <laughs> Sounds just like that. <laughs> and we have a talk. But, you know, the thing is, is that he'll speak into our lives and the conversation will, meet, will go into a place where I'm thinking to myself, okay, God, that's you. People say to me, this is one of the biggest conversations I have with people when I talk to them. They say to me, how do you know it's God? Like there's some fantastic way to hear it. You know, that maybe God comes in and he goes, ooh, it's me, God. <laughs> Come on, far out. It's like we talk, I say, hey, God, and God's just going, hey. And we just talk. There is no scary voice, awesome Wells voice. God always speaks to you when you speak to him. It's the same thing with worship like this morning. We can just sing or we can worship. It's up to you. One makes a nice sound, the other one engages God. It's up to you. Most of what we do, how do you do this? How do you do that? It's how you embrace it. People give you information, but you still have to embrace it. You know, one of the best um, teachings I've ever been has been with um, Richard when he's talked about deliverance ministry and blessing ministry. I love it. But it's only information, and it's his revelation. But I have to embrace it to make it my revelation. Amen? I have to make it my own. And that only comes through being in conversation with God. Amen. So anyway, we go on to Hebrews 11. Is this all right? Nobody's going to sleep? Awesome. So 
Hebrews 11 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. And then there's this funny scripture that says this, By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. So I'm going to attempt now to try and get this to you because um, it's, it's a revelation God gave me. <laughs> um, sometimes I, I get a revelation and it comes out all up to shoot. doesn't sound like revelation, sounds like strangulation. So <laughs> bear with me on this. So when we have a look at that, that, um, that phrase, the worlds were framed by the Word of God, that word framed means things put in a perfect place. Things put in the perfect place. So when, when God created the world, and when it says worlds there, it talks about the different ages. But when God created the world, there's a framework that he puts into place. See, I think when we think of God and us and what God can do through our lives, we think it's a bit like a shopping mall. We can just run around and grab, oh, I like that, oh, I like that, oh, I like that. And you take it, put it in your cart, buy it and take it home and you get home and you think, what do I do with all this stuff? <laughs> I do that with clothes sometimes. I buy them because they're pretty, but they don't look pretty on me. <laughs> and we've got all these things, and we think, well, all I have to do is believe God that I want to be a preacher. I want to be a preacher. So I'm going to go and get me a preacher. I'm going to get me a preaching gift. Things like this. And <laughs> I'm getting myself lost talking too much. But what I'm saying is that. There's a certain amount of organisation where things have to be put in the right place when it comes to faith. It's not blind faith. Do you know that? We can blindly believe that God can do these things. Amen. But it's not blind faith. It's not that we just, we just choose what we want to do. God has to speak into your heart about things that he wants you to do. Do you know, I'd like to be a racing car driver. But the rest of the world would die if I got on the racing car track. I'd like to do a lot of things. But I ask God first, what do you want me to do? What do you think I should do, Lord? And it's, I see people out in, in, in the world and they're chasing after ministry, chasing it, chasing it, thinking, if I can be this, then I can be the best thing God has ever had in his hand to be able to be a preacher, blah, 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 blah. But we never, ever go and say to God first, what do you want me to do? Like I said, we say to him about the third step, now it's your job is to come and bless it. There's a song we used to sing. It used to go like this. How do you treat God? How do you treat God? Like a G-O-D or a D-O-G. How do you treat God? I have to, we have to, when it comes to things like faith, we have to believe, we have to understand that we're not in control, God is. So by faith we understand that the world's refrained by the word of God, so that things which are seen are not made of things which are visible. So if we say we're framed by the word of God, God has had to has to speak into a situation and put up the frame so that we can then build on top of that. Amen. Okay. Because 
The thing is, is that sometimes our lives, we frame them in things that are not from God. Our past, our situation, that sort of stuff. Our point of reference is not God. Our point of reference is the things that we, that we are in, the situations we're in, that sort of things. Do you know what? Um, and God wants to, through our faith, he wants to produce things that have not been touched by our own hands. When things come from faith, they come from nowhere. It's not something that we have prepared and then God blows on it and makes it work. It's not like a piece of machinery that you put gas into. We make the machinery and ask God to fill up the gas tank. When God creates creates something, it comes from the place of nowhere. The best example of this is in Genesis when God said, let there be light and there was light. Let there be, let there be firmament and there was firmament. Let there be earth. Let there be creatures. Those things came from nowhere. There wasn't a little workshop out the back somewhere where somebody's fervently making trees and something. And God says, "Let there be trees," and they come running out and say, "Tree." That's not how it works. It came from nowhere, absolutely thin air. Nowhere, because it comes from the voice of God, the words that he speaks. He framed the moment when those things were made. Is everybody understanding what I'm saying? Yeah. And so my heart today, I don't think I'll go any further than that. My heart today is this. If we are going to be faith people and we are going to begin moving in faith, we have to know what faith is. That's only a small sample of what I believe faith is. But you have to go look for yourself. Where do I start? You're asking me? Conversation with God. That's where you start. And you say to God, what do you want me to do with my life, Lord? And he tells you. And then don't dash off and start getting, get, get going. Just wait, wait, wait. And pray and converse and talk to God. Tell him what you think. Let him tell you what he thinks. Converse. Know his voice. Because when God gets to the point where he says, right, we're off, you'll be off like a shot. You sort of just don't go... Oh, okay, let's go. That's not how it works either. Once God has built something into your heart, there comes a day where he goes, right, we're off. When James and I came into the ministry, it was like I left my head behind because everything else went, whoosh, gone. Because, you know, the thing is, is that when the seniors of Elam asked me, Viv, would you like to be a pastor's wife? I said, no. I don't know what's wrong with that fellow's ears, but he said, okay, you start Monday. I'm thinking, hey. By that time, the whole church was clapping and I was like, Oh, I like this place. I want to go home. But things happen quickly, fast, 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 fast. I look back on our years together as pastors, and so many things have happened in our lives. I look back on this year. There was Nepal. There was Fiji. There was going to this church over here. There was going to another church over here. There's people wanting to know this, that, and the next thing. Things happen quick because the smell of being with the Lord, the smell of your sacrifice is already on your clothes. It's still there. And people can see it. People can smell it. So I just want today, that's me done. 
It's sort of a sobering glimpse of what you can expect going ahead. The sobering glimpse is this, that we are people of the Spirit. And do you think things of the Spirit will actually ramp up? Yes, yes. Do you think we will be going out on the streets and doing street witnessing or going into hospitals? Yep, yeah. Will I have to go? Yeah. That's why you're here. Hey, we don't play church here no more. Amen? God has given us the business. And that's everybody. Well, how can I do it if my husband doesn't come to church? Well, he can stay home and we'll take you. How can I do it when I've just can't, I've been a Christian for four, four months? It doesn't matter. God doesn't check your tag to see how long you've been a Christian and then use you. He just says, have you given your heart to me? Have you submitted to me? Come on, let's go.